This is the Juice on the Cues podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Good morning, Syracuse. Welcome back to the Juice on the Cues podcast presented by Rivals.com. I'm your host, Wes Chang. Thanks so much for joining us on this Friday, December 1, 2023, and we begin today's show with Fran Brown. The Georgia defensive backs coach was named Syracuse's head coach earlier in the week, and he'll be officially announced at a press conference at Syracuse on Monday. Brown's recruiting chops are unquestioned. He's widely regarded as one of the best, if not the best recruiter in college football. And it's an out-of-the-box hire for John Wildhack and company. But if you want to win as a school in the Northeast, you need to be able to pluck the best recruits from New Jersey. And Brown definitely knows how to do that. We're hearing a lot of different names being floated around as assistants, including Ty Greenwood, Taquan Underwood, and Chris Partridge. And if you haven't noticed, all those guys are names with deep ties to the Garden State. On the flip side, Brown's never been a head coach or even a coordinator before, so this has all the makings of a very high-risk, high-reward move. We'll take a quick break. ESPN's Andrea Adelson will join us to break down the Brown hiring. Then we'll welcome on the Juice Online's Brad Bierman for his thoughts on it after. And I'm Wes Jang. This is the Juice on the Cues podcast. So let's get more into the Fran Brown news. We welcome on our great friend from ESPN, Andrea Adelson, to the show. Andrea, it's always a pleasure. How are you today? I'm great, Wes. How are you? Andrew, we're always doing well here. We'll get you started on this one. The big news out of Syracuse is that they have a new head football coach in Fran Brown. What are your overall thoughts on the hire? I thought it was a little outside the box, if I'm being honest. You know, it's not a name that has been thrown a lot around a lot for head coach openings, and certainly it wasn't one that was attached to this job right from the very beginning. But I understand why John Wildhack made this decision. He checks off a lot of boxes that are required to be the head coach at Syracuse, and it all starts with recruiting and recruiting in the Northeast. And I think he puts like 10 check marks into one box uh, in those categories <laughs> right there. And right, if you want to be able to win at Syracuse, you have to have a lock uh, on that Northeast area, the Northeast corridor. And the fact that he's the number one ranked recruiter in the entire country right now um, is obviously a, a huge positive. Now, there's going to be a learning curve. I don't think there's any question about that. Never been a coordinator, never been a head coach before. But he may surround himself on his staff with people who've had that type of experience. I know he said he wants to bring in an elite coaching staff. Uh, but the bottom line is, uh, he, I think, fits a lot of what John Wildhack was looking for uh, when it came to filling this uh, position. Andrew, I wanted to talk about the coach Brown is replacing in Dino Bapers. Do you feel like it was the right time for Syracuse to move on from him? And I caveat this question with this, which is he is the last coach since Paul Pascaloni to lead Syracuse to back-to-back bowl games. Yes, I knew that because... Uh, I looked it up a few weeks ago when Syracuse was on the verge of clinching bowl eligibility. It's a really tough place to win and to win consistently, and that stat perfectly illustrates it. I believe Doug Marone went to a couple of bowl games, but not in consecutive seasons. Um, So when you look at the shifting dynamics uh, in the ACC, uh, where the power rests in the ACC, NIL, transfer portal, it makes it an even more challenging job than what it was when Dino Babers arrived eight years ago. 
I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, they should have kept him or they definitely should have fired him. I thought Dino did a really good job in the time that he was there uh, building the program back up from where it was. Um, wasn't in a good place uh, before he arrived. And there were some really great moments for Syracuse football uh, during his time there, whether it was the 10-win season or beating Clemson or even the Virginia Tech win was so huge. Um, so I, I feel as though he should have maybe gotten an opportunity to get the team to a bowl game because they were still one away when they decided to make the change. And if the benchmark, according to John Wildhack in his press conference, was 7-5, and five, there's the potential for this team to still get to seven with a bowl victory. And Dino just wasn't given that opportunity to see it all through. So that's one thing, you know, if you're going to make that move, let's see how the whole season plays out. But I think it also speaks to the fact that John Wildhack may have kind of made up his mind by that point and decided it was time to start fresh. And I think, the optimism around the program had started to sag. Uh, there was a lot more fan discontent, a lot of negativity from the fan base around the program. And it's really hard to bring a coach back into that type of environment when you do have the people who are buying tickets and making the donations and responsible for fundraising, maybe not all on the same page with the head coach. Andrea, I always tell you this, which is I love having you on in December because it means that Syracuse is in the postseason. I had you on before the season and got your prediction. You said that Syracuse was going to make a bowl game. So take a victory lap for that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it does feel like a little bit of a letdown because I think there was a chance for Syracuse to win seven or eight games in the regular season. Did you feel the same way? So I remember talking to you back in August and saying, I think they're going to start 4-0. I think they're going to lose the next three because it was Clemson, North Carolina, and Florida State. And then how they respond to that would determine what happens in the season. I thought they'd be able to eke out a bowl. Well, that's kind of how it played out, right? 4-0, then 4-3, the open date. Quite honestly, the biggest disappointment was that performance against Virginia Tech um, because it came after an open date, and you felt, or at least I felt, I'll speak for myself, that was a good time to kind of hit the reset button a little bit uh, after those three tough games. Virginia Tech is not setting the world on fire this season. They have a good running back and a good quarterback, but this is also a team that needed to win uh, on the last weekend of the regular season to clinch bowl eligibility. So it's not like Virginia Tech is leaps and bounds ahead of Syracuse. So to go on the road after the open date and play like that, I thought was extremely disappointing. But I think the game that kind of sealed it was Boston College. You're at home. Uh, it's a Boston College team that uh, was a little up and down this season, uh, had a penchant for making mistakes, turning the ball over, being heavily penalized, um, and not being able to close out that game at home, at least in my view, uh, was the game that probably turned things uh, for Syracuse. And Andrew, we'll get you out of here on this one. The ACC championship game is coming up with college football implications on the line. Florida State v. Louisville, who you got? I know a lot of people are picking Louisville to win this game and to upset Florida State, playing without Jordan Travis and Tate Rodemaker last week against Florida. Um, you know, had a shaky first half. I thought he rebounded really nicely in the second half. He's got a lot of really talented teammates around him, starting with Trey Benson, 
uh, the starting running back. I think Syracuse fans are well aware of all the talent, Keon Coleman, uh, to name one other one, uh, the tight ends and the defense, uh, because that defense dominated Syracuse and they really dominated Florida and have had these moments this season where they have just put the clamps down on their opponents. I mean, go back to the opener against LSU, completely shut down Jaden Daniels in the second half of that game. I don't think a defense played better against him at any point in the season than Florida State in the second half of that game. So I'm saying all of this because it's obviously going to take more than Tate Rodemaker to win this game. And I think a lot of people are looking at it as they don't have Jordan Travis and therefore it's going to be an automatic L. I don't see it that way. I think this is a very highly motivated team to finish for Jordan Travis, to win for Jordan Travis. They're the more talented team. I think they're the deeper team. And when it comes down to it, I think the Florida State defense is going to set the tone in this game. They're going to force some turnovers, and ultimately Florida State is going to win on the strength of their defense. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Amazing stuff as always. All right. As always, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Andrea Adelson, ladies and gentlemen, always enjoy having her on. And I think that's a very nuanced take she had on the career of Dino Bapers. I don't think a 20 and 45 ACC record is anything to write home about. On the other hand, we do know that there's no built-in advantage to coaching in Syracuse. And Bapers doesn't leave the program in bad shape like Scott Schaefer or Greg Robinson did. So I think when we're looking back on the Dino Bapers era a few years from now, he may have a better legacy than we're giving him credit for at the moment. We'll take a quick break. Brad Bierman when we return. And I'm Wes Chang. This is the Juice on the Cues podcast. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Let's talk more about Fran Brown. We welcome on the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief Brad Bierman on the podcast. Brad, how are you today? I am doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad, Syracuse hired its 31st head coach in school history this week. Georgia defensive backs coach Fran Brown is their new main guy. What did you think of the hire? First reaction is I like the hire, Wes. Certainly do is dive into his background and what he brings to the table. And it certainly doesn't match everything that athletic director John Wildhack had indicated initially when he spoke uh, about the firing of Dino Babers and listed the characteristics he was seeking in a new head coach. But I think as that process uh, evolved and was assisted by a search firm, which I think was really important with the tight time frame, that it became apparent that that the program needs somebody that first and foremost is going to be able to bring in talent. And when you look at the official press release from the university, it talks about the nation's number one recruiter. So you start there and that's good news because Syracuse needs an upgrade in talent. It needs more depth in its roster management to compete successfully in the ACC. Like the Northeast background, like the connections, like having a two-year pedigree with uh, the two-time defending national champions. And it'll be really interesting come Monday morning uh, when Fran Brown is introduced to everybody at the university and uh, the media and uh, attendees there of, you know, 
to meet him, get more of a sense of a feel and personality, see what wowed uh, Chancellor Severud and John Wildback. And, you know, a lot of questions are going to be uh, obvious. Uh, if Georgia wins against Alabama in the SEC title game and moves to the college football playoffs, what's that schedule going to look like uh, dividing jobs or, uh, you know, moving full-time to Syracuse? Certainly going to be interesting. Like the hire, really excited about it see what kind of staff is put together, and then attack the transfer portal first and see how many of the uh, committed recruits can uh, ink their letters of intent and move forward from there uh, into the new year. Brad, you touched on the recruiting aspect with Fran Brown. Is that going to be enough to get Syracuse to that next level again? I really think it is, Wes, because this is a coach bringing a fresh set of eyes to the program, 41 years old, the pedigree, again, of Georgia, I mean, the two-time defending national champions, immersed in those details day in and day out, uh, I just think is is really critical. And I think that is going to make such a great impression, not only on high school juniors and seniors, Wes, but in the transfer portal. I really think it's going to uh, make p- people, that uh, players that are in the portal, look at Syracuse in a different light and that commitment to winning. I, I think – the university, John Wildack has certainly emphasized that over and over. We're competitive in NIL. We'll stay competitive. Well, now we'll see how that matches up with, with the Fran Brown regime. But I, I do think it does, Wes, both with, with recruiting and the transfer portal. It's such a positive spin on the program, and I think it's going to result in better players coming through. And, Brad, we're right at the end of our show. You have a closing thought? I do, Wes, and since this is such a milestone move for Syracuse football and the athletic department, just want to reflect for a second on John Wildack, the athletic director in his seventh year. You know, anyone in that position is always going to, you know, hear positive and negative comments from fans because that's the genesis of sports, the fandom behind it, and everyone wants success. And I think this is a, a, an out-of-the-box hire uh, for John Wildack. It's certainly going to be the hire that everyone looks back on and his legacy is running the Syracuse athletic department. And when I think back to, you know, previous athletic directors, all have been involved in football hires. Jake Cradham will back with coach Mack and coach P Daryl gross, three hires with uh, Greg Robinson getting assisted by Floyd little and bringing in Doug Marone and then having uh, very little room to wiggle, wiggle room with uh, Scott Schaefer uh, in 2013, uh, the first ACC season. And then to Mark Coyle bringing in Dino Babers. So, after eight years, John Wildack is now the one up, and he's made his choice and really anxious to see how this plays out and how the football program can move forward here the rest of this decade. Brad, I'm going to close the show on Syracuse legend Dave Bing. Syracuse announcing on Thursday they're going to add him to the Ring of Honor at the JMA Wireless Dome on Saturday, January 27, 2024, when the Orange hosts NC State. Bing needs no introduction to Syracuse fans. He averaged 24.8 points and 10.3 rebounds in his Syracuse career, which stretched from 1963 to 1966. He went on to have a 12-year NBA career where he averaged 20.3 points and 6.0 assists per game. He was named one of the 50 greatest players of all time and inducted to the Basketball Hall of Fame in 1980. Bing then went on to become a successful businessman, and he was the mayor of Detroit from 2009 to 2014. He is one of the most accomplished alumni to come out of Syracuse University. This is a very well-deserved honor. That's it for us. I want to thank my guests, ESPN's Andrew Adelson and the Juice Online's Brad Bierman. And this is Wes Chang reminding you that separate but equal is terrible for education, but it's perfect for eyebrows. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast presented by Rivals.com, and we'll see you next time.
Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.